everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 526, Divisional Round NFL Preview. Big Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, how's it going? Yeah, things are going pretty well. Had a night out last night with a friend of the podcast, Vasilis, but no no exciting stories came from Is he a friend of the podcast, or is he a, uh, a, a, like a, a myth of the podcast? <laughs> yeah, I guess he's more of a Greek myth. Although he did make one appearance, right? Like there was one time when he was... He was over at my place, so there was kind of Vasilis's rumblings were on the kind of murmuring in the background. <laughs> early days, on, early yeah, days, that was early days of the podcast. That must have been that must have been in the first fifteen episodes. I would have said, yeah, because that was so. Yeah, but since so then, how's Vasilis doing? Yeah, he's he's doing pretty well. I mean, he spends spending time with him. You know, it's a lot of sitting next to him while he scrolls through Instagram. That is a significant portion of having drinks with him. You have a but. knack for having friends who love to go to bars and sit on their phones and ignore you. I don't know yeah. if that's an indication of your ability to choose friends or your ability to entertain friends. It's a mixture of both, probably. But no, yeah, there is. You just have to tolerate the fact that sort of 15 minutes of every hour, he has to just scroll through Instagram feeds now, and reels. Would it? would you be okay if it were like a dating app? I'd be more okay with that, yeah, because my issue with the, like, whenever you're with someone and they are just scrolling Instagram, is it's so mindless that they are basically telling you, I, I would rather almost do anything than have a conversation with you yeah. right now. Like a dating app, at least there's a purpose there and a hope. But when you're yeah. just looking through reels while you're sitting next to someone in a public place and you don't even <laughs> have sound on the reels, so you're not even getting the full impact of whatever you're consuming... And it's he can't little... read, so he doesn't know what it's <laughs> captioned. He can't read anyway. <laughs> no. Yeah, he's just seeing bright lights, and he's distracted. But, <laughs> but no, it's, um, yeah. It's no, like bringing just... a dog to the to the bar. <laughs> yeah, but you have, to, you have to tolerate it. Last weekend, though, I, when I was out, I wanted to bring this up on you on the last episode. I forgot. One of the things I find to be the most awkward of all the social interactions I occasionally have when I'm out is when... You cheers people and they have those like pre-prepared toasts that they have to do. You know, like if you're doing a round of shots and they have to do the the thing. Like, here's to the best of us. Here's to the worst of us. <laughs> yes. Here's to blah, yeah, blah, that, blah. That, yeah. that nonsense. And those without pants. <laughs> yeah. And they <laughs> always, stupid things. <laughs> exactly. And they always expect it. Like, I don't know how to react to them because they're never amusing. And you've almost always heard them before. You know, they think it's the most original thing in the world. It's like, I, I've seen the same yeah. movie. Yeah, they got same. it from a Ben Affleck movie in 2007. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just don't know how. It's one of those things. It, it really, for me, I, I guess for most, some people it's uplifting. It's a real mood ruiner for me. Just takes me right out of it. <laughs> Well, it's like a three-second thing, so I don't know. Like, are you, like, depressed the rest of the week then? <laughs> For the most part, yeah. I mean, certainly it just ruins the experience of the shot or the drink or whatever. Because, yeah, I don't – I just then awkwardly I, – I can't fake the laugh. It's just not who I am. I don't have that ability. I barely laugh as it is, so trying to fake one is, is hard enough. 
but <laughs> you know, and so it just leads to an awkward silence and poor social interaction. Yeah. Last night I watched um, the menu. It's the it's now on HBO Max for those in the states, uh, but with Ralph Fiennes. <laughs> Fine, I think isn't it just Ralph Fiennes? I think so. <laughs> I think. And Anna Taylor Joy and, and Nicholas Holt. Ralph Fiennes. <laughs> Ralph Fiennes. <laughs> I mean, it's true. He's got a weird name. Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really funny because now whenever I see him in anything, I don't picture Voldemort. But there are times the way he moves his body is like Voldemort had like a really weird way of moving his body. And every once in a while, he'll do like a Voldemort like move. And it's really weird to see. But like the face doesn't, obviously, because they did a good job, you know, kind of doing with the makeup and special effects. But some of his movements bring me back to the Harry Potter. But it was it was a decent movie. It's very heavy on the satire and like the social commentary, like extremely heavy that's the whole purpose of it so it got a little bit much but i thought it was kind of funny i like dark comedies and dark humor anyway so worth watch it's short which is so it's so nice to find movies that are under two hours nowadays it's like I mean, it's I, really it's really satisfying sometimes i'm, I'm yeah i'm always torn because if you're really enjoying it you kind of want it to be longer right so it but i think that- going into a movie though right when like you're like hey let's watch this movie Oh my God, it's two hours and 45 minutes. Ah, let's just save it for next week. You know, but yeah. it's like, hey, you want to watch this movie? Oh, it's an hour and 40. Yeah, okay, we can watch it. I do <laughs> think, yeah, that sometimes based on length, a lot of things just get put off because you yeah. feel, especially like midweek viewing, you then think to yourself, like, I don't, it's a Tuesday night. I don't have time to watch two and a half hours of something, yeah. but I can watch. And then you end up watching two and a half hours of something anyway, but in 45 minute increments. So it's kind of stupid, yeah. but with, with commercials, yeah. <laughs> it's so <like> worse. <laughs> it changes absolutely nothing, but yeah, there are, there are certainly times and it's, you just feel like I don't, I'm not sure I want to commit to that length of time. And I don't like pausing and picking movies back up because often yeah, just it's tough. Ruin. Yeah. I mean, and there are a lot of good movies I still haven't watched that I always want to watch, but I'm just don't want to invest the almost three hours to watch them. So I kind of make notes. So when I go on planes, I have like I have a list of movies that when I get on a plane, I'll check to see if they're on the like the whatever, like the plane entertainment, like Delta entertainment things. And I'll watch them then. So like I went through all the John Wicks. I had them all saved until I got on a plane uh, like Tenet, which is probably not the best Dune, which is also probably not the best to watch on a plane. But those were all movies that I had saved ready to go. Yeah, no, those are all good plane movies to me. I mean, we'd previously discussed Dune as a plane movie, right? They all yeah. they all make sense to me. So do we kick things off with a short reaction to the Premier League action or with short the, reaction to the action yeah why don't we why don't we go there then because there's not m- too much to say aside from the fact that we can start maybe with manchester united who we discussed possibly re-entering the title race and then their draw against crystal palace on wednesday night <laughs> instantly drawing against crystal palace yeah, with a 91st minute free kick really nice equalizer from palace's perspective but yeah it, i'm not going to say it, it's them out of the title race because you know, it's still, there's still a long yeah. way to go, but certainly 
it's a blow right as they were starting to coming on the back of that result against City and with Arsenal this weekend you they would have felt if they'd beaten Palace and then won this weekend that they were right in there and now there's a chance if they then now do not win this weekend or certainly if they lose that they will feel as if they are quite Back far up. adrift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the real talking yeah, not, point. Not optimal. No. The real talking point being City last night, well, Thursday night, 2 0 down at halftime to Spurs, looking as if things were going to get very complicated for them, managing to fight back and win 4 2. In part, I mean, they were the better team in the first half, conceded two sort of fairly stupid goals. And then. Spurs just fell apart as soon as City started to show any signs of quality. I guess the really interesting thing to mention on that has been Pep Guardiola's post-match comments in both the immediate interview. Ooh, I have not seen him. Was he he never worried? No, quite the opposite. He is being highly, highly critical of his team, of the supporters, basically saying that he thinks complacency is set in because they've won the Premier League title four times out of the last five. And there's just an expectation that they'll win and that there's no fire in his team, no fight. Oh, I like this. I like this. If they keep playing that way, then they will keep losing and they will keep dropping points. And he was highly, highly critical saying he didn't, he said the fans in the first half were silent, that they just, you know, there was no reaction from them until City scored their first goal that he needs more from them. He needs them to be more invested and more interested, but certainly that from his players, he needed to that for them to show kind of higher levels, greater levels of commitment. And that he is, so, I, I mean, he was very critical. It came on across as very disappointed. He swore multiple times, which is very unpep. Uh, but yeah, he uh, clearly not pleased. So my question would be, was this indicated in in the halftime speech? Because I there's part of me agrees with him, but then part of me thinks maybe they went down two nil, went into halftime, and I don't know De Bruyne or Grealish or someone was like, "Hey guys, why don't we just fucking wake up and start playing?" And then they go back out there and score four and win, you know? Like, or was it him that had to kind of say this to them at half, you know? Like. This is what's happening. You guys are like letting this go. You think you're just going to come back. You think you're going to win every game. And look, you're not. You're down 2-0. You need to turn it around right now. Like this game is the start. You need to turn around and then start caring more and putting more effort in. Then I I agree with him. But if it's just the players at halftime, we're just like, ah, shit, we're down 2-0. Okay, let's try this half and then go out and and win. Then I'm like... Does it really I, I, matter? Because at the end of the day, like th- they can just turn it on whenever they want and win. Like it doesn't matter if they're complacent for a half or not. Well, th- th- no, I, I think that his point is more they co- they were complacent for the entire match. Like I mean, he wasn't. But they still cr- won, so who cares? Well, well, because his point <laughs> is if you're if you play that way, you will drop points. That they he, I mean, I, I think he had a f- his assessment was fair. I don't think they played necessarily all that much better in the second half than they played in the first half. But isn't that then proving that wrong, though? If they play like that, they're going to lose, but they played like that and still won by two? No, because, you know, things went your way to a certain extent. You know, you took four chances, and on another day, you don't take those four chances, and you either lose or you draw, and those are crucial drop points, I think. And he'll also be disappointed with the, the, the sort of 
way in which they conceded goals, which was sloppy for the for the first goal with the Ederson uh, pass, and then and then also with the, the second goal with kind of switching off at a at a free kick. I, I think the point he makes is fair. And look, over the last few weeks, City have not been even when they're winning, they have not been at their very best. And there is, you know, Holland for all the goals he's scored. There have been a lot of people now asking the question, and it was always going to happen when City kind of had a little bit of a you know a, a sequence of matches where they maybe weren't firing on all cylinders. Now people asking, okay, Holland's great; he scores goals, but are City worse with him in the team? Because with the way that they normally play, Holland is not you know talking about dropping back, getting involved in midfield the way in which they press, it's sort of like playing with 10 minute times because he just doesn't do any of those things. I, I kind of disagree. I think what we saw, for example, when they, you know, the, the best performance I've seen from any team in the last 12 months is when they played against United and beat them 6-2 or whatever it was. So, you know, I think, they, but at the moment, they're not great. So they've got to figure something out because between the matches coming up against Arsenal, every Premier League match now for them is extremely important. And with the Champions League coming back, they have to be better than they are at the moment. If they keep playing yeah. at the standards that they are at the moment, they will not win the league. And they won't win the Champions League. I, yeah. I mean, I don't think they're worse with Holland at all because I think he sets up well in their team because their their midfield is so deep and they're so good at passing and setting up plays. And... That's like he's just the finishing touch on all those plays, you know, which was slightly missing last season. Whereas now you have great playmakers in midfield who can just set him up and he'll finish like he will take advantage of those opportunities. So I don't, I don't think they're worse. I think you can kind of get lost in trying to set up those plays too much versus the fact that they can also score on their own. Some of those players. So maybe you're trying to push it too much to him, but I think overall, I think it sets up well when you have someone who can finish plays that people like De Bruyne can make that other players in the league can't. So I, I don't think they're worse. Well, I, I guess the, 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 I think they're worse when, this is going to sound really stupid, when they're not playing as well, they're now worse. Like City's B performance is now worse than City's B performance was before because Holland is a little bit of a... <laughs> I know this is a one-game thing, but is it, it that isn't. bad when you still beat Spurs four to two? Well, I mean, with with your B game, put put some put some context into that. Spurs were absolutely played off the pitch by Arsenal a few days ago, so the fact that the fact that Spurs came close to beating City, if you want to put compare those two ninety-minute performances that we've just witnessed in the space of four days, Arsenal are clearly the better side. So yeah, and I guess you know, also you could say C City then played a B game against United and lost. So when you put both of those together, you know it doesn't look as good. No, so I, this it isn't is a very short. This isn't uh, a reaction to just yesterday. It's a reaction to City basically pretty much since the World Cup break, and they haven't been quite as good. It's just Holland's a little bit of a luxury item, in the sense that he he scores goals, but he doesn't do a lot else. And so, yeah, when, when you're midfield, when you're on top, when you're bossing possession, when, you know, you're really strangling the other team, then he's perfect. However, if you're in a little bit of a fight, 
he might not be the player who's you're kind of most suited to having up front. And that that will be the interesting thing to see going forward if Guardiola chooses to sub him off at times and bring Alvarez on and, you know, kind of try and change the, the, their shape and the way in which they play. But I don't know. He's clearly... That was Guardiola being genuinely frustrated. And I guess that would be maybe concerning for City in multiple ways. One, if you're a City player, there's some players there who I think will be leaving. Not during this transfer window, but certainly in the summer because I think he feels as if they are complacent and not up to scratch. And okay, he signed his new long-term contract not long ago, but it's also reminiscent of sort of noises he made towards the end of his time at both Barcelona and Bayern Munich, where he just starts to feel as if we've won a lot and maybe people don't care as much anymore. And so why am I here? Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to see. And I guess, I think you bring up an an interesting question, Eddie. You said Holland's not much of a fighter. Do you think he actually would be good physically in a fight? (laughs) Is no, he yeah. a teammate you want? Is he a teammate you want on like having your back? <laughs> well, yeah, he's a big physical and physically imposing person. I mean, I think. But is a, he a fighter? Yeah, no. I, I what I mean, I think he's a fighter in on the pitch too. I think he works, tries to drag his teams. You know, you've seen that certainly in his time at Dortmund, where he was often almost a one man team. I don't. No, I, I am asking it. you if you were out out to a ball. No, I know, but and he's you were, on your you back. Do you but trust I think he, him? <laughs> no, no. Okay, but first I got to. I'm just saying. I think the first bit was a little bit misrepresented. I don't. I. I. It's more that he. It's not that he's not a fighter. It's just that he. He gets isolated. You know. It's. It's the. And he doesn't do. For example. Ultimately, before I a- answer your question, they're almost more suited to someone like Harry Kane, who would have dropped back into midfield at times, and yeah. you know, like. There's a lot of questions. Then get here. criticized that, that he's yeah. not pushing forward enough. <laughs> yeah, the selfishness that Holland shows of damned if to, you do, damned if you don't. <laughs> yeah, Holland's there to do one thing. He wants the ball in the penalty area, and he'll take his chances. I mean, last night he did pretty much nothing aside from score a goal. You know, and and that's he. Aside from that, he was pretty much, you know, you kind of didn't notice him, but he took the chance when he needed to. Uh, would I, would I want him in? An, I mean, I, I don't know if I necessarily want a pampered Premier League footballer as the person to have my back in a bar fight. I think that would be. But if you had, if you're going out with City, with Manchester City, you're going out, and shit gets real. I don't when think you... I want him. I, he, first off, he's to me, he's not that intimidating looking. I, partly, I think it's the hair and that he's like looks like he's like 14. He's big. He's tall, but that's about all he's got going for him. And he's probably going to be dressed in some obnoxiously so this annoying is, outfit. This is a real, this is a real short king take for Pio. <laughs> oh, the, oh, the guy who's just really big and in great shape is definitely not physically intimidating. No, not to me at all. <laughs> um, now, someone like Jack Grealish, you know, he he like puts his leg up and puts his calf out. Then I'm nervous. He's <laughs> gonna flex. You to death? I see those calves coming in. I'm backing down. Um. I don't think Holland would be my first choice because I would probably be end up picking like one of the South Americans who's probably going to be a little bit scrappier if I had to. But and and I might who, be who wins in a fight, Holland or Kevin De Bruyne? <laughs> probably Holland. I mean, that's a that's a big physical advantage he's gone. Yeah, 
He does have a lot going in his favor there. He's got a good reach. Yeah. But if you told me like... He, but he's probably wearing like a $2,000 Versace but so is Kevin, <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne. I don't know what. It's not like the rest of the city players are turning up in, in rags. You know, they're all. Yeah, but they're not on like the cover of, of like women's fashion magazines. Like Jack he is. Grealish. Well, Jack Grealish is on the cover of men's fashion magazines. Yeah, exactly. So, Respect. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think, look, I think his dad was a, a professional footballer. He's a professional footballer. You know, he's probably not the person you'd want in a in a scrap as a, i think there's probably people with backgrounds where you you know well about ederson oh i'd want Ed- the neck tattoo i yes. mean the neck tattoo is an immediate scare off if yes. you're if, if you're in a bar this guy's guy, willing to get a tattoo on his neck i yeah. don't know what it'll do to me <laughs> exactly the neck tattoo is an like neck or face tattoos if you're ever in a kind of bar fight situation is an immediate move away like this yeah. guy cannot be cannot be trusted who knows what he's that's why do. he's a good keeper people are afraid to even shoot on him <laughs> <laughs> well he wasn't great last night with the past but yeah uh no i yeah ederson would ederson would probably be towards the top of the list and and again that it could be completely wrong it's two factors south american with a neck tattoo and that's all that makes me think he he's probably seen a few fights but I think also Kyle Walker, I, I I trust. He's got that attitude that like no one could beat him, so he'd be super confident. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you necessarily want sort of uh, super confidence, but yeah, I could see Walker a little bit. And as I said, there'd be a few. There'd be a few on the city team. Uh, we can have maybe in the off season we can have a which Premier League footballer would win a, a kind of UFC. Like, <laughs> Like I'm sure there's knock- some out there that actually do like the UFC training off-season the, workouts, like jujitsu stuff, stuff. Oh, I'm sure a few yeah. of them roll. I'm, sh- I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure a few of them. I'm sure a lot of them roll. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they'd love to tell you about, you know, their their latest rear naked chokehold. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of them were talking about their naked chokeholds. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so should we move on then to the NFL? Where, what a segue! <laughs> yeah, from well, from yeah, people grappling and wrestling with each other to a physical sport. Uh, where this this weekend with the divisional round in the playoffs, things really get interesting. In the end, we were served up a, a more compelling wild card weekend than we expected, although pretty much everything went to form. You know, I guess the two games that we thought were toss ups were toss ups, but all of the favorites who you expected to win won, maybe not in the fashion in which we expected them to. This is where things get really interesting because there are a lot more closer games and you can make strong arguments for almost every team in this round. So should be a good good weekend weekend of football. I guess the question to you, you're not a huge fan of the Saturday games. So the discussion here is we've got four games, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Would you have preferred a one Saturday night game and like the typical slate of three Sunday time slots? Or do you like this being evenly distributed? No, I I don't mind the Saturday games like this, 
when you have four games and that way you, each game is going to get prime time and then you don't have I, the three on a one day is tough. Like even in the regular season, just watching that much football, even when there's more games on and you can, you know, watch red zone, which is going to have just the best of each game on at a time. It's still a lot. So this way, at least if there's only two games and one isn't that great, you only watch eight hours total and maybe four isn't that great. But you run the risk if you have three games and you watch 12 hours and, you know, a lot of it could not be enjoyable. So I prefer the two and the two. And especially I it, it's from a West Coast standpoint, it's very doable. You know, so it's like good times. Saturday, you can kind of be out and about doing things and, and you know, be perfect time to watch the games. It's not too late. Um, and then Sunday, obviously, is, is nice to have them done early. But yeah, no, I like this. This is perfect. Well, are we going to do things the constant debate? Do you want to pick the order? Or are we going chronological order? I think let's let's go chronological. It's it's there's only four, so it doesn't matter too much. Okay, well then things start with on Saturday. The Jags with, at the Chiefs. Yeah, maybe the the least interesting. Eight eight and a half is the spread, by the way. So I'll I'll give you the spreads and the over under fifty two, which I think is kind of low. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess they, it depends. So if you think well, points are coming played, from both they teams. Played, yeah, they played once this year, and it was 27-17, uh, Kansas City. So, okay, so that would have been under. Yeah. Uh, personally, I think this is the, the easiest of game of the weekend to call. I, I don't think they're, you know, in recent – effectively, we've seen the Jags play back-to-back playoff games, seeing as in Week 18 it was a win-and-you're-in situation, and then obviously last week – in a true playoff scenario in the, in the wild card round. They weren't super impressive in, in either of those outings. Nope. You know, they, you could they, argue that they didn't really win either of those games. Yeah. Yeah. No, the other teams lost them. And so it's difficult to imagine them. They'd need to significantly improve on both of those performances in order to be able to beat the chiefs or the chiefs have to have a major off day coming off rest, which you know, could happen, but I don't think it will happen. It's also just doesn't feel like a great matchup for the Jags. They do like to blitz a lot. Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks against the blitz in the league. It actually falls into a strange category where he's more efficient against the blitz than he is when not blitzed. So, yeah, I think I think the Chiefs should win this one fairly comfortably. The spread, I mean, it as we saw last week, you know, when you're going more than a touchdown in a playoff game, it is a big line. I think I'd have to take the Chiefs minus like minus the points, but it is it is quite high. But I do expect them. I don't expect this to be a, a super close game, even if it ends up being the Chiefs winning by seven. Yeah, the Jags have won six straight which is impressive no matter what team you are and how you're winning six straight is six straight. And that's, you know, you're on a good run, but at the same time, like you mentioned, a lot of those wins weren't very emphatic wins. They were more kind of, we held on while the other team just kind of fell apart, you know, and some of the teams were the Texans and I think the jets were in there as well. Uh, A Cowboys team that was struggling. So not the greatest six wins you could ask for, but they are hot and you have to respect the fact that, they're in a, you know, 
at this point, we don't care. We're just going to go out there and play and we're not expected to win. So, you know, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes. I think it, I think actually it could be the under. Just do you really think teams think like that when you get to the divisional round of the playoffs, the we're not expected to win? I think so. I I think if you're a Jags team, I, I think you have to personally think, look, we barely won our division and we didn't even win it that great. We won a playoff game. We're still very young. No one believes in us. Let's just go out and play unhinged. You know, hey, hey, if 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 you're over hustling and you make a mistake, we'll take it. You know, whereas I think the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs right now are slightly nervous because <laughs> I, I honestly believe so. I you know, they didn't they didn't they should they should be winning more Super Bowls than they have right now. Like it's one of the things with Mah- with Mahomes. Mahomes has probably been the best quarterback for the last four or five years. He has one MVP. Five. You know, it's one of those things where like they're not five. winning. Five. Five seems like a stretch. When did when did he even start? When did he when did he take the job from Alex Smith? Five years. Five, ago? five years ago. Yeah. So he hasn't been the best Since quarterback. Since then. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he won his MVP his first year. He was a full time starter. Well, yeah, but as and we'll probably get onto that debate as uh, Gronk subsequently ripped into Aaron Rodgers for it's not about MVPs it's about Super Bowl. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, but what I'm also saying is there like that's one like you know when they look back on it that's one aspect. Another aspect is they've only won one Super Bowl and you'd think with this talent they should be winning more. Yes, I mean I guess it depends. If they win this year, then that feels right for me. Two Super Bowls in this stretch. I mean they've only you know they've only made two. So it's yeah. not it's not as if they've you know this isn't a Buffalo Bills from the '90s scenario where they've made multiple and and come up short. I don't know. That's I think kind of what I'm saying is is I I feel like they've been the best team, but they've only won one and made it twice. And now that, if they don't make it again, that's that's then you're kind of getting in that territory. I think so. I I, mean, I, I just think they're going to be a little nervous here because they, this is like okay, we should easily beat this team. Let's just make sure we do, you know, kind of playing a little tight. Okay. I, I guess I disagree with you on, on the pressure that they might be feeling, but I also disagree with you on the idea that the Jags are coming into this feeling as if they're playing with house money. But Trevor Lawrence said he's going to go to Waffle House an hour before the game this time. That's how much he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Maybe. Well, look, based on his first half outing, he might be going at halftime. So, but. I guess the thing to me, which is a larger discussion in a way, I think there's this like Patriots Tom Brady effect where we expect good teams to be so dominant now, just because the you know the Patriots showed that that was sort of possible. I mean, they did it in batches, but they went through. Well, so did the Niners with Montana. Yeah, but not to the same extent, right? I think I think we've suddenly got into this idea of now, like you have to be a I think in all American sports, you like have to be a dynasty to be really good. It's not acceptable to be like a team. Like I, I don't think the Chiefs were the best team last year. I don't think the Chiefs are the best team this year. I think they might win the Super Bowl, but I don't think they're the best team. So, you know, I think they've probably had two seasons where they've been the best team. And weirdly, they, in that period, they lost the Super Bowl. They were blown out in the Super Bowl. 
in kind of strange circumstances. And then they also, they won the Super Bowl that they probably shouldn't have won. And so it, it is a little weird, but yeah, anyway, I, I, I think they'll come into this confident. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I honestly think we just discussed that the over seems a little low, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see an under just because I think the Jags are going to do what the other teams do. We didn't that. discuss this. This is classic Frank. You've managed to take both sides of this. You're like this under the over under seems low. I'm going on. And you said, yeah, you, you said, yeah, it does. I said, I you guess. You literally responded. Yeah, it does. I said, I guess. I don't know. I no, said, said, yeah, it I does. said, if you think both teams are going to score a lot of points, I would have been, I, I thought it was honestly, my assessment is it's probably a little high because I don't expect the Jags to score 25 points. So, yeah. But I, I, I think the Jags are going to do what other teams have tried with that, with the two deep high shell and try and limit the big plays and make the Chiefs kind of methodically drive down the field, and that takes time. So I think, you know, I think the Chiefs will score a lot on their drives, but I think their drives are going to be longer than, you know, like a three-play bomb like you used to see way back in the day. So a lot of teams have done that too high shell. So I, I think Jacksonville did that a lot in their first matchup and held them to 27, which is still 27, but, you know, it's it's not 40. Like you can see the Chiefs scoring sometimes. Interesting facts. I have a few, Eddie. Jacksonville, eight and five outright and against the spread as an underdog this season. The most tied for the most in a single season in the Super Bowl era for most underdog wins. Can they get one more to break that record? Does it does it count? Like do playoff wins count towards that statistic? Probably not. Because it seems unfair <laughs> when you're talking underdogs because you're expecting that most of those teams yeah. probably don't make the playoffs if you're consistently an underdog. Uh, but no, I don't think they can. <laughs> Even if the statistic does count, I think I think the Chiefs will win this game. Well, Doug Peterson, Eddie, as an underdog, 6-0 and against the spread and 5-1 and outright in the playoffs as an underdog. So he knows what it takes to win. And this is a matchup, randomly, matchup of ex-Eagles head coaches. <laughs> and Doug Peterson and Andy Reid, which I find funny. Which, I guess, you know, the Eagles shouldn't be too mad because they're the number one seed in the NFC. But if the Eagles weren't so good, they might be looking at this saying, like, how many times are we going to get rid of good coaches that go on somewhere else and win? <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of very contrasting tenures with the Eagles too, right? In the case of Doug Peterson, fairly short but wins a Super Bowl. In the case yep. of Andy Reid, long but always came up short. So yep. historically, Andy Reid probably goes down as the better Eagles coach. However, Doug Peterson was the one who actually managed to win a Super Bowl. I'm not a huge Doug Peterson fan, I have to say. So I don't, I think Doug Peterson, I think one of the worst things that has happened to Doug Peterson is the Philly special because I think ever since then, it's convinced him that he can run trick plays consistently. And that almost, it's like his signature thing. Like there is, I have, I'm under, I have no doubt that the Jags will run a trick play at some point in this game. And he might do it at a moment in time when they just do not need to do it. But then it also might be such a blowout that it doesn't matter when he does it. But, yeah. I, oh. Maybe he's a good like motivator coach because in the short term that can work. You can like motivate a team to play better than they can. But in the long term, I think like 
being a good coach and having a good team will will balance out you know being like being able to kind of push beyond your limits a little so maybe we're seeing that with the eagles he had one season where he's able to kind of motivate him over and then didn't do much after and then now we're seeing with the jags <laughs> how motivated could you be by a guy in a visor <laughs> the visor the visor hey. is a hey ted lasso man <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if Ted Lasso would necessarily motivate me. I think people believe. Some, I think we could have some great heart to hearts. He'd give me a very sort of relevant, meaningful book. We'd have some. Maybe nice that's day. a different motivation. Maybe he's but, tapping you, tapping you deep into your soul to motivate I you. I hope he's not tapping me, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the visor, the visor, It's a, it's a look for sure. There's a definite vibe with Doug Peterson. I think also, though, it's the visor and it's like the floppy hair over the yes. visor. Like, yeah. kind of look like a like a shih tzu <laughs> with a the hair. <laughs> or looks like some sort of 85-year-old woman sitting at a slot machine in Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's... there's uh, yep, for sure. The top of his head could be easily mistaken. Very identifiable in the NFL context, but taken out of that situation, it could be mistaken for something else. Oh, before we move on, I have a good trivia question for you, Eddie. Okay. So the best single game QBR performance in the regular season this year was a 96.8. Again, 100 being the best. That quarterback is in the playoffs. Who is that quarterback? So I now have to be torn, right? Because is he still in the playoffs? He's in this round? Yes, in this round. Because there's part of me, you're bringing it up. Was this supposed? Did you intend on asking me this before we kick this preview off, or is the fact that we're discussing the Chiefs and the yeah. Jags made you think of this statistic? In the which fact this... that we're discussing the Chiefs and the Jags has nothing to do with this. Okay, so I can't narrow it. I can't necessarily narrow it down to these two. Um, I will go for. I I think it's one of two people. Okay. I'm going to go for the one that's, if it's wrong, you're just going to laugh at me, but I'll say Brock Purdy. It is not Brock Purdy. Okay. Then I'll say it's Daniel Jones. It is Daniel Jones. And what a segue to our Saturday night primetime <laughs> matchup between the Eagles and the Giants. <laughs> I did not actually mean to ask it there, but I wanted to ask it before we started talking about it. Um, but yeah, so... He had the best QBR performance, and that was week 18 or 17 against the Colts, the one they needed to clinch to win. So one could say maybe he's he's a primetime player in the big games. He can he can do it. And he has since week 14 the best QBR at 77. Uh, for the, So for the last five weeks now, he has the best average. So coming in hot, playing well against yeah, these, what these maybe are- – top three defense in the NFL and top three offense in the NFL and the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Although question mark on the offense, right? Because we just don't know the Jalen Hurts status is a concern. Like that's the argument that can be made for why the giants can win this game is because there's a possibility here. We're getting, uh, you know, what percentage of a, of a fully fit up to speed Jalen Hurts are we getting? And at what point does it kind of dropped below the threshold where I'm not, I'm not going to say you can make the Giants favorite, but that you can make a very compelling argument for why they could win. 
and it, it the scares most replaceable me. Replaceable QB in the NFL. That's not what I said. <laughs> That's not what I said. That's not what I said. I mean, here's the question: What's this line if it's Gardner Minshew? If if Eddie were making the lines, it'd be exactly the same. No, it wouldn't be. Because <laughs> what is what is uh, the, what is the line as it is? How many points favored? So are the there? line right now is minus seven and a half Philly. Okay, I, think I it's say m- it's minus five, four. Yeah, I would, minus four. I would, yeah, I would have said some somewhere between minus three point five and five if it's Minshew. Like still over a field goal, but under a mm-hmm. touchdown. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, it scares me a little bit to have this unknown element with Jalen Hurts, and particularly against a team that that's going to put a lot of pressure on him, that loves to blitz, that's just going to send the house time and time again, even when it maybe doesn't even make sense. And they're definitely going to get to him, right? Like even if it's he's going to be knocked to the ground a few times, even if he's already got the ball out or whatever it is, he's going to he's going to be hit a few times. And that's that's worrying. I think it's probably more worrying if you're an Eagles fan for what that means for later down the line in the playoffs, because I do think they'll yeah. still be too good in this particular game. But it's a concern if he picks up some kind of injury. Um, it'll be also interesting to see how much they use Hurts' ability to run the ball and whether or not they kind of reel that back in to try and protect him. This is the quarterback playoff matchup with the most combined rushing yards ever took Uh, my stat sorry that was my next stat i was gonna give you but (laughs) yeah 1468 combined rushing yards in a regular season most ever for a qb duo to meet in the playoffs yeah and daniel jones last week had the second most rushing attempts from a quarterback in a playoff game ever so you know the giants are going to use his ability on the ground a lot, but will the Eagles have to kind of come up with a slightly different game plan to what we saw from them in the regular season? I'll take the Eagles to win just because I think, you know, their defense is so good and then their offense that they can probably afford to be not at their very best on offense against this Giants team. But it wouldn't blow my mind if somehow the Giants managed to win this game. Yeah, I mean, so they're division rivals, so they've played twice this year. The first matchup, uh, the second matchup, obviously, can't take much out of it because the Giants rested all their starters, but they did meet back in uh, November, I believe that was the first matchup. So later in the year, not super early in the year, and the Eagles won 48-22, and it was an absolute blowout. I mean, it wasn't close from, from the start. I don't think it will be that that bad for the Giants. I completely agree. I don't know what kind of hurts we're going to get here. And I think more to your point, I think the better point is even if we get 100% hurts, how much are they going to let them loose with the fact that you have to think about if you want to be a Super Bowl winning team, you have two more games after this and you don't want to risk getting him injured or having him slow down for you know the Super Bowl. But you have to win these anyway. So it's a tough, it's a tough debate as to kind of how much you let him run and how much you let him kind of do his own thing a little bit. The issue I think for the giants is going to be how many points can they score? Because I think the Eagles are going to score a decent amount. I think they're going to get close to 30 and 
you know, the Eagles have a top three defense in the NFL. Actually, what's funny is you have probably the top three defenses in the NFL in this playoffs right now, according to most statistics. And the, the Eagles are one of them. And they pretty much have the best pass rush statistically in the NFL. So they have a pass rush win rate of 52% and the second most QB hits. But the good thing about that is Daniel Jones is very above average against when under pressure. He has he's like a top 10 QB under pressure. So he can handle that and he can kind of run around and he can make plays. And we see most of the good Giants drives are third and 15 where Daniel Jones just scrambles and makes a first down to keep the play alive. And it's just kind of like backyard football. So I'm not that worried about that. I'm more worried about. Daniel Jones sitting back there and making a dumb throw and costing them a, a turnover. So I'm obviously I'm going to root for the giants and I'm going to hope the giants win. I don't know. I'm not very confident. Um, I big, will say. How big do you think the Daniel Jones backlash could be from the giants fan base? How rational will it be if this is a Eagles? Win I think it will be pretty rational. So, but let me, Eagles win this game by 20 plus points. Daniel Jones has a couple turnovers. Will it be all, this is, we knew he wasn't that good. Or will there be kind of a sensible reaction to it? I think it'll be a sensible reaction because when you look at what he has around him, it's, it's tough to put the blame on him. You have Saquon Barkley, but other than that, you don't have much. You, you don't have receivers. You don't have a great tight end. The O-line, you have one good O-tackle. The rest of the O-line is not very good. So you can't put the blame all on him when for the past five weeks, he's the reason you're probably in the playoffs to begin with. So I, I think you kind of have to look at it. You should be happy you're in the playoffs and happy you won a playoff game. I think that's going to be good confidence moving forward next year, maybe when they can fill in some of these missing holes in their offense. But the fact I do have, Eddie, is the Giants, 17-5 and five against the spread and 14-8 and eight outright as playoff underdogs in the Super Bowl era. Most wins, best winning percentage, and best cover percentage by any team as a playoff underdog in the Super Bowl era history. Yeah, so but there's much- no better underdog playoff team than the new york football giants i mean i don't know how much history has relevance on how well they perform this weekend but also i'd be in, i'd be interested to see how many of those underdog wins or covers are against come, tom brady well have come two. from those two super bowl <laughs> runs because they were basically underdogs in all of those games both times right so you you've got so that would be six <laughs> eight yeah, sorry, eight. Yeah, so eight of those. Maybe maybe they were favorites in in one or I can't even remember, but definitely in 2007 they were probably underdogs in all of them. 2011. No, one year one year they no, one year they definitely cuz they had home games because I was there when they beat the Minnesota Vikings 41 to nothing in that playoff game and Randy Moss got like crushed in the end zone and was getting like booed <laughs> off the field on a stretcher. <laughs> Yeah, but then they... So they were like one or two seed that year. But then they they were they were on the road against the Niners, right? With the muffed punts. Or maybe that was... Yes. Remember. No, they yeah. were. They were definitely on the road. And, and they were... I want to say they were slight underdogs there, but probably only as a like a road team underdog. 
but yeah, I, I don't know those, as you know, I'm not a big believer in how those historic kind of historical have facts for completely different sets of teams can impact how they play. It's not like, I don't think you can't give a team talk where you inspire them because you tell them in 2007, with players wearing a similar Jersey to you managed to win games. No one expected them to win. Really? You don't think they can get Michael Strahan and Justin Tuck in there to inspire them about their underdog story winning the Super Bowl? Who are the Eagles going to get? Doug Peterson and his floppy hair? <laughs> yeah. It would be controversial for him to come in as a, <laughs> as a playoff coach. It'll be next day. They get knocked out of the playoffs on, on Saturday afternoon. Saturday night, he takes a private jet to, to Philly to give a pep talk. Yeah. They could have Foles come in. Um, I mean, if you told me Eli Manning was giving the Giants like pregame speech, then I might I I'd shave a couple points off for the Giants. Michael <laughs> Strahan, no, he's just a the whole team. It's it's Manning, Tiki Barber, Strahan, Tuck, Yuminiora is just waving his club hand in the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, but no, I I yeah, I think the Eagles will win. So that brings us to Sunday, where you have the Bengals at the Bills, so two versus three, and the Bills are five-and-a-half-point favorites for this game, and the over-under here, 49. Yeah, it's a tough one. Neither of these teams looked particularly good last week, and the Bills haven't looked that great over the last few weeks, really. Um, the key to this game, I just think, is the Bengals' offensive line injuries, and there's going to be a certain moment where it's just too much for them. And they've already, during Joe Burrow's time in Cincinnati, they've struggled to protect him when they've had their first choice offensive line out there. And that's one of the areas in which they've improved this season. But now you've got so many replacements playing. I think they're missing three players going into this week from their offensive line. And yeah, I just think the, the Bills will consistently be able to get some pressure on, on Joe Burrow. And that will force, you know, punts and mistakes. So I'll take the Bills to cover and to win. Uh, but, you know, it's, you just feel a little bit uncomfortable because you've obviously got Josh Allen's playoff reputation, which so far hasn't been great. You have their poor performance last week and just over the last few weeks how they've looked. And yeah, it's not, not ideal preparation. And certainly, if you told me that this is like a tied game with five minutes left, then I'd rather have Joe Burrow than Josh Allen. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, I can't fully disagree with you there. I think it's, it's that's a toss up. But I mean, you say both teams aren't playing well. I will say they're coming in with pretty good winning streaks. The Bengals have won their last nine, and the Bills have won their last eight. So. They're combined seventeen and zero in their last seventeen games. I guess the yeah, only the, the only caveat to that is the game upon which they played each other got canceled. So one of those winning streaks would have been broken. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's also the nature of the wins, right? Because it's not yes. as if yeah you have long winning streaks, but it's not as if they've been totally convincing. You know, neither of these teams were convincing last weekend. You know, they both no. The, you could say the Bengals probably should have lost and the Bills came very close to losing. So, yep. and both against teams, they would have expected to have dealt with, you know, fairly easily. And 
yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I think, I just think you, you can kind of almost guarantee that the Bills will score a decent number of points just because that's what they do. And then the fact that you have a Bengals team that's missing so many offensive linemen, I just, I think that will be the, the big difference maker. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think the, the defining factor for this game here is we've seen what happens to Joe Burrow when he has no offensive line and you know, the Super Bowl was a nightmare for him. And I think they did a great job of fixing that, but unfortunately due to injuries, it kind of is back to where he was in the playoffs last year. Uh, and he's going to be pressured a lot. And the bills are a smart and well-coached team that they will know this and take advantage of this and try and replicate what happened to him in the Super Bowl last year and put a ton of pressure on him. The other uh, stat that's going to have to kind of break is the Bills are 4-0 in home games with Sean McDermott as their coach, and the Bengals won both of their road games last year. So uh, one of those is going to have to break either the the road streak for the Bengals or the home streak for, for the Bills recently. The only thing, Eddie, that is slightly concerning is you mentioned Josh Allen. Josh Allen led the league in turnovers this year. A little surprising, but led the NFL in turnovers with 19 turnovers, so averaging over a turnover a game. And I don't think that's going to change because the Bengals do force turnovers. I mean, the reason they won that game last week was they forced a turnover on the one-yard line. You know, So they will get turnovers. They're opportunistic defense. But in the last 45 seasons, only two players ever, Eddie, have led the league in turnovers. I should say quarterbacks have led the league in turnovers and reached their conference championship game. They are 1990 or above. Do you want to take any guess as to what these two quarterbacks are that have reached a conference championship and led the league in turnovers? How, okay. How many of them were in the 90s? One in the nineties, one in the in the, the zero zeros or knots, as ex ex goes. No, Sam you would, would say, say no. You would say naughties. Yeah, naughties. Um, uh, so from the nineties, that's going to be Brett Favre. It is oh. not Brett Favre. Um, Hint, you slightly mentioned you slightly mentioned their his team, this podcast already. I slightly mentioned his team. Dan Marino? No, I'll put you out of misery. Jim Kelly from the Buffalo Bills. Oh, from the, okay. And, and the other one we've also mentioned by name. Uh, oh, so uh, Eli Manning? Eli Manning in 2007. Yep, led the league in turnovers. So not a good stat to have, I don't think, but... And I think the well, fact you, that he's you, turned the ball you, all over a lot this year, you say that coupled with st- the fact you say that's not a but good but coupled with have. the fact he's not a gamer. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't know. That's but, but you say you say that's not a good set to have. But of those two quarterbacks mentioned, one lost in the Super Bowl and one won the Super Bowl. So maybe it is a good <laughs> stat to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. I think the Bills will win this. I think the home field advantage will help as well. And I think that depleted offensive line on the Bengals is going to be an issue. But I expect this to be close, and I think it'll be a fun game. I mean, I think it is fun watching Allen and Burrow duel out and play against each other. They both will take 
they will both take risks and take shots and it makes for a fun game. Yeah, no, I think this is the, this is the, of all the matchups, this is the one I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, but wow. What a fan of the Niners you are <laughs> not even looking forward to the Niners in the playoffs. No, I am, but I, I have a certain, I will get onto, I guess this is how we can transition to it. I have, I expect the Niners to win. So this to me is the toughest game to call. So as a result of it, I think it's the most interesting on paper. You know, the Niners, I'm expecting the Niners to take care of business. So I'm not, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching them win, but I don't have as many doubts about that game as I have about this one. Well, we can get on to that last game then. Uh, you have the Cowboys at the number two Niners, and that is the Sunday afternoon-ish game in America. Uh, it'll be Sunday night no matter what uh, in Europe. But the Niners are four-point favorites. So I'll start here, and then I'll, I'll kind of let you tee off. I am torn here because I, I get caught in the trap that on paper the Cowboys are a great team. And at times, we've seen them be a great team. I am just worried as to whether that great team will show up. I, I have complete respect for the Niners. I do think they're the best team in the NFC. So I'm, this is not me not believing in the Niners. But I think a lot of people are underestimating the Cowboys. One, because they had the, the end of the regular season wasn't great. And two, they handedly beat the Bucks, but all everyone is saying is the Bucks are complete shit. That playoff is like a meaningless win because they weren't even playing a real playoff team. And I think it's kind of it's kind of unfair to be that dismissive. So I will say with the not playing well at the end of the regular season, Bill Barnwell has talked at length about how whether you play good in the beginning or the end part of the season does not matter at all. He's done advanced statistics showing that teams that, you know, won their first 10, but then lost their last five in the playoffs did just as well as the reverse. So I don't buy it. Well, that's what the stats say. I know you're not an analytics guy. You're, you're a momentum in the heart guy. I I get it. That's the, don't try and slight me in the process of me doubting the statistics. I just don't buy it. I I believe he doesn't believe in momentum. This is the issue I have with Bill Barnard. I know he doesn't believe in momentum. And and a lot of statistics people (laughs) is a lot of the statistics people, they pin their flag to a particular concept and then their statistics have to back that up. Like Bill Barnwell (laughs) couldn't be a no momentum in game guy, but then come up with the concept that momentum exists pregame so he has to look at the statistics and make sure that he presents them in a way in which it's uh it it seems as if it doesn't matter how you're playing so whether that meant i'm not going to go into detail enough to do the statistics myself but whether that meant when he looked at the sample size of teams he had to cut it off like oh it's important i choose the last five games and not the last (laughs) four games you know wherever he had to however you have to manipulate that data said i'm sure he did it because he has to it's his thing yeah well and and i guess i mean i would almost argue too just me thinking about it the teams that mostly win super bowls are the teams that are good throughout the entire year so probably their first half and second half they're probably six and two each half kind of you know like Close to. they're probably above 500 both of the both of the ways because like look at the teams that have lost i mean 
Here's, the, here's, what, the Chiefs have what three, four losses, so they can't be that much worse in the first than the second. They only have four losses. <laughs> My greater point would be: I can think of teams who had significantly better second halves of the season and then went on to certainly make the Super Bowl, if not win it. I can't think of teams that dropped off significantly in the second half and then won a Super Bowl. I'm sure it, I'm sure it exists, but uh, off the top of my head, yeah. from recent memory, I don't remember a team being, you know. If I have know. absolutely nothing to do next week, I will I will dive deep into these stats to try and prove Bill Barnwell right or wrong one way or the go other. F- go for but it. But re- re- regardless of that, I think I, – I do think people are a little just dismissive of the Cowboys – when you look at the teams, I actually think they're pretty comparable teams. So they both have good defenses. They're both ranked in the top three in, in overall defense. The only issue is, oh, sorry. And then offense-wise, I think they have pretty similar offenses that they're run-first offenses and they play well off of the run. The the people are a little different. You know, McCaffrey and Debo versus Pollard and Elliott with a little bit of Dak mixed in. They both run the ball well, and they their offense is based off of running and then play action off of that run. So I think they're pretty similar in that sense. The difference here, and I think this is what's going to decide this game, is while the Cowboys have statistically a very good defense, and the strength of their defense is pressures and pass defense and getting to the quarterback, they are not great against the run. They are like a 15th ranked team, even like a little lower against the run. And when you're playing a team who is going to destroy you all day with running the ball down your throat, I think that's going to be the break point. If you told me the Niners had to pass the ball 40 times, I would I would be a little more happy with with you know picking an underdog in the Cowboys. But that's not going to happen. They're going to go into this game, even if they're down, they will continue to run the ball. We've seen them do that before. You know, well, they'll be down a game and they'll still be running and running. And I don't think the Cowboys can stop that. So I, I think that's where it's where, where it's going to break for the Cowboys. But I mean, everyone raves about Nick Bosa. I mean, Michael Parsons is an absolute freak, and in every stat, he actually almost outnumbers Bosa. So you know, things like that. Like people are very dismissive about this Cowboys team, but I think they're a very talented team. You're doing that great sports t- take, like sports talk take thing, which is everybody is dismissing the Cowboys. And they I are. Like, Everyone I've, I've talked to has said the same thing. Okay. I, I, I don't know who you're talking to. That's more difficult. But certainly I think within sports coverage, everyone I listen to is doing exactly what you're doing, which means as far as I'm concerned, no one is dismissing the Cowboys because everyone's like straw manning the general public with everybody I talk to says the Cowboys have no You chance. just dismissed them. Yeah. I'm, you I'm, just said I have I have no fear that the Niners aren't going to win this game. Yeah. I, but I think I'm in the minority in, in being that. Confident. I don't think you are. I've I'm, gone out to the public okay. and talked to many a people. Experts? We actually had a pretty good debate about this after our hockey games. We all stayed back at the bar and we're talking. And all, all eight people there with me didn't give the Cowboys a chance. I don't know how to interpret the picks of your roller hockey league. <laughs> general, general Joes. Your like, average Joes. I like that the equivalent... <laughs> 
of like when it's like a CBS game or whatever, and they have all the experts making their pregame selections. And then for us, it's your roller hockey team. Like Steve from the goal, the goalie Steve says he's got the Niners in this one. I, but uh, no, I think, look, I, I think the Niners are justifiably favorites. I think most people, I think most people I've listened to have, trying to come up with reasons why the Cowboys will win. It's the toughest matchup that Purdy has faced so far in his career. So that's an interesting test. Definitely the best defense he will have played and they'll, you know, cause him some problems. And the, that's the unknown factor is if he gets off to a really bad start, could things just crumble for him? You know, there's, but then the nice thing with the Niners is they'll just run the ball. Like if Purdy really starts to just fall apart, they'll just run the ball. So as long as it's a somewhat, uh, that's going to be difficult if you're suddenly down 21 points. I still, Shanahan will still run the ball. And we've seen that enough from him. But yeah, I I don't know. I, I feel like the Niners are better in pretty much every department with the exception of quarterback. Like I'm going to give the edge to Dak Prescott because he obviously... No, no, what? I refuse for you to be able to say that statement Why? for someone who says Dak Prescott is not good all season and then tells me how Brock Purdy is the greatest quarterback ever. No, 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 no. I do not think that you I don't, can't. You cannot you can't. backtrack and tell me Dak Prescott is better than Brock Purdy. No, I won't but, allow you to say it. But I, I genuinely believe certainly at this moment in time, he is obviously the better quarterback. You know, one of them has played. So, and- so this week you need to win a game and you're picking Dak Prescott over Brock Purdy if you need to win that game. Yeah, I'd absolutely. Oh, then why would you even think about having Brock Purdy as your long-term quarterback? Because well, we're talking about a rookie quarterback who's played a handful of NFL games versus a reasonably experienced NFL quarterback. How who's- experienced in the playoffs is he? Dak Prescott? He has one win. He has oh. just as many wins as Brock Purdy in the playoffs. He has more losses, though. <laughs> so <he's... laughs> but, I mean, I, I'm just saying, I give, you know, look, I, I think my opinion of Dak Prescott is he's a just about mediocre NFL quarterback. And I... <laughs> so Brock Purdy's a slightly below mediocre quarterback? Well, the reality is he's a rookie quarterback with not even a full season under his belt. So saying he's like a, the 15th best quarterback in the NFL is a bold statement, right? So I, I would say, yeah, I mean, look, if I had to choose, it's the only area where I feel like you can give the Cowboys a real edge. I don't think it's a significant enough difference. This is not like saying it's the difference between Purdy and Mahomes. Like, I don't think it's a game-changing difference in quality. But sure, I mean, I think I spend more time being critical of Dak Prescott because most people, I'm going to pull the you here and talk about nameless, faceless people and, the, and, and their opinions, but because mo- most people, the sort of general consensus is that Dak Prescott is like uh, top five, top six, top seven quarterback, and I don't buy that. So my criticism of him is more trying to, yeah, I'm not saying he shouldn't be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Like that's, you know, but yeah, I give. Who's a better? Wait, I want to ask you a good one. Right now in yeah. this playoffs, who's a better quarterback, Daniel Jones or Dak Prescott? 
Daniel Jones. Wow. Okay. Like of the of the eight remaining quarterbacks, Dak Prescott would be sixth for me. So you're saying so you're saying the bottom is Lawrence, Purdy, Dak. Yeah. That's your bottom three. Yeah. Wow. I cannot I mean, believe you're putting Purdy this low. This is a classic move by you. You talk him up all season and then you put him down when I'm it matters. Still, I'm still talking him up. I'm just I'm just trying to talk him up in a realistic manner. I don't have to be having confidence in him doesn't mean that Look, I'm still I'm the same person who's also saying that the next year there's a quarterback competition, you know, for the starting job, even if the Niners make the Super Bowl. So I think Well, not after those tweets Trey Lance is sending out, but put, we, can put talk, in, we can talk about that another day. <laughs> but put it in that context, you know, like that's what I think of Brock Purdy. This is a great run. It's an incredible run. And I, I think people are too dismissive to just say, well, he's in the right system because he looks better than Garoppolo did. But I, I also, I don't think he is the next, like Tom Brady. I don't think this is going to be such, there are still questions about him in terms of his size, for example. I mean, I think size is the big issue. But sooner or later, it's going to catch up to him that he's basically a, a tiny quarterback. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think... All right, let's not worry about the size, Eddie. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like he's gonna be, he's gonna be the he's the eighth, he's eighth on my list of quarterbacks going into this round. I expect him to be fourth on my list of quarterbacks next round, and I expect no, him to he's be... seventh. He's seventh on your list. No, no, I've got Trevor Lawrence above him. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then okay. I expect I expect him to be fourth <laughs> on. I, I expect him to be fourth on the list next round, and I expect him to be second on the list in the Super Bowl, and I expect him to win the Super Bowl. So you can try and wrap your head around those various sort of elements, but I don't think just because... I'm just trying to wrap my head around the psychology upon which is going on in your head, (laughs) because part of me feels this is your class. This is a very English perspective. Like, it's like the England national team, you know, it's like never confident about something. I think that's part of it. But But the other part of it, too, is I think in your head, you want to rationalize that the Niners are so good that they can win with the worst quarterback (laughs) in the playoffs. And, And then if they lose, all you have to say is imagine that they didn't have a rookie QB who is the worst ranked quarterback in the playoffs, they easily would have won. So they're still the best team, even though they didn't win the playoffs in the Super Bowl, they're still the best team in the NFL. That's the garbage you're going to give me. And you're just, you're, you're laying, you're laying the railroad tracks now. So if that happens, you can say that to me. Look, I'll lay some of those tracks right now and I'll start driving the train down them. I'll tell you, no matter what the outcome is of these remaining playoff games, the Niners are the best team in the NFL. I'll say that now. So you, there you go. <laughs> You've got the soundbite. They're the best team with the worst quarterback. No, not the worst quarterback. The The quarterback I rate the lowest of the remaining eight quarterbacks. Of the teams that matter. Yeah. And when I'm ranking, I'm not saying he's necessarily the worst, but it's more just you, 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 you can't fill out his report card as 
as completely or as confidently as you can some of them. You know, like Mahomes has to be taught, but you know, we've seen Mahomes in these situations so many times, you know exactly what you're getting. I have to put Burrow after last week, I've got to put Burrow now above Josh Allen because the Josh Allen playoff question marks remain, even though in the regular season, he's been good. So with all of them, I'm kind of trying to deal with the various sample sizes of you know, material that we have to judge them upon. And Purdy has, you know, one playoff game and a handful of regular season games. I can't be totally confident that something can't go wrong. But I also think the Niners are so good that something can go wrong and they'll still win. Yeah. I I ultimately think the Niners will also win this game, but I think it, I hope, I hope it's a fun, close game. I hope they're all close games. I hope the Giants blow out the Eagles. Because I'm also, I mean, this is a larger debate, right? I, even with teams that I support, I much rather have them win close games. It is more enjoyable for me to watch a team every once in a while. It's nice, depending on who the opponent is, to really, you know, win comfortably. But for the most part, like if certainly once you get to the playoffs or, you know, if it's a, you know, a World Cup game or something, it's much more enjoyable to win the tense oh kind of final few possessions anything's up for grabs something could go wrong you need to you need to come through in the final few minutes that's more satisfactory than well the, the Niners were up by 28 points in the third quarter and you know we just got to bench the starters you know with 6 minutes left in a playoff game <laughs> that's not you know that's not that enjoyable well and i i I guess you're not high. I'm not going to say you're high on Dak Prescott, but I think Dak will have to have an amazing game to win this. I think that's the other factor. If he plays to the highest of his potential, I think they have a shot. If he plays like we've seen him play this season and turns the ball over a lot, I think then they're done. Uh, So I I think a lot of this is going to rely on Dak, even though they are a run first team. I think at the end of the day, you're going to need him to, when they do have play action and when he is asked to throw that he hits almost every throw he has, because if he starts throwing interceptions and terrible passes, they're going to be, they're going to be done. You can't, you can't turn the ball over on the Niners and expect to win because they'll take that ball and then they'll just run it down your throat, waste 10 minutes of the clock and, and get a score, you know? So it's, it's tough. Yeah, no, for sure. And the Niners, the Niners play very stingy. They're not going to give the ball up. Probably not. Not not multiple times. You might get you, you could get a Brock Purdy interception or there's the occasional yeah. fumble. It happens. But yeah, you're not gonna I'd be amazed if this if at the end of this game it's a situation where the oh the Cowboys the like the Niners turn the ball over four times. That yeah. just that would surprise me. If it's one interception and a fumble, I could buy that, but Yeah. And I know that sounds like dumb, but when I take another game, you know, the Jags versus the Chiefs. I think Lawrence can still have two interceptions and it isn't the end of the world because I think the Chiefs do turn the ball over a lot. You know, Mahomes can throw interceptions. They do fumble a decent or, amount. Or the so Bills. that's a team where, yeah, Bills the do Bills, the same thing. Yeah. The Bills are the perfect example. You could tell me that Josh Allen had three interceptions and the Bills could have still won the game by 10 points. It's just the way they play. And especially with them because they turned the ball over. A lot of his interceptions are in the red zone, so they're kind of not as costly. Because it's like, okay, the Bengals are getting the ball back on their own 10-yard line or something, and they might end up punting. And 
you score yeah. th- three, four minutes later instead. But yeah, I now I if you tell me the Niners have four turnovers, then they've lost. Gone, yeah, something's gone really wrong. <laughs> Parsons has broken Purdy's leg, and they're on to who's the backup now? Uh, Johnson, right? Josh Johnson. Oof. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're always calling for injuries from players. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where you. But no, I I think uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm, I'm confident. All right. Well, that wraps up that round. Eddie, I have one. I know we like to do odds. Uh, what is your predicted playoff? I'm going to ask you two questions. What is your predicted Super Bowl matchup, both teams? And then what do you think would be a worthwhile bet from what you think would be a good odds perspective? So I think Niners Chiefs will be the Super Bowl. And then what do I think would be acceptable odds for me to bet on the Niners Chiefs? That's your question. No, no. So the Niners Chiefs, that is the most likely odds, according to, uh, I think this is MGM. That is a plus 550 or like, what is that? Uh, Like five to one, six to one. That, that exact matchup. So what do you think would then be, if you had to pick one with, do you think some value in it that could happen? Oh, okay. So you're not looking at the odds, like a prediction, uh, like a, a combination yeah. that I think will be bigger odds, but that has a chance of coming true. Yeah. This. Um, uh, from the AFC, I mean, I, I guess I'll throw the Bengals in even with their offensive line issues. So put the Bengals okay. Bengals against like honestly from the NFC I can only see it being the Niners or the or the Eagles. So I'll, I'll say Bengals Eagles. So they're both same. Okay. They're both 10 to 1. All right. So Bengals play Niners, Bengals play Eagles both 10 to 1. Yeah, there's no value there. No. In fact, there's really not much value in any of them unless you want to get uh like Cowboys Bills 14 to 1. There's Cowboys, no Bengals, 22 to 1. No, there's no value there. No? Because, again, okay. it goes back to it. Like, you've got the Cowboys are underdogs in this game. The Bengals are underdogs in this game. So already that double is paying you what? Like, 3 to 1, 4 to 1? Probably Look, 3 to 1. They'll both be underdogs next week, even if they win. Depending on, like, unless you tell me there's upsets elsewhere. But, like, Cowboys, Eagles, Eagles are favorites. Chiefs, Bengals, Bengals, uh, Chiefs are favorites. So, I, I again, I think if you were betting it game by game, you'd probably end up getting better odds than that. Chiefs, Giants, thirty to one. Book it. I think if you believe in the Giants, then that's the kind of bet I would. I mean, I guess you could just bet on them to win the N- NFC. What are the Giants' odds to win the NFC? So the Giants to win the NFC are eleven to one, and the Chiefs to win the AFC are three to two. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know, eleven to one. And you know, one of my better NFL bets, future bets of all time, the first future bet I ever placed on the NFL was in two thousand and seven on the Giants to win the Super Bowl. 
So at this same stage, I bet on the Giants to win the Super Bowl in 2007 at 33 to 1. 25 to 1 right now, the Giants are to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. So they were 33 to 1 that year, and I put 20 pounds. You know, I think it's slightly disrespectful that they're the, the least favorite team to win the Super Bowl tied with the Jags. I think they are a better team than the Jags. And I also think they have not an easier, like a slightly easier road. I would rather play the Eagles than play the Chiefs. I think the mm. Eagles are beatable. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't I say don't that. Know. But. I think that based on what we've seen so far this season, the Chiefs are more likely to have the off game, press the self-destruct button. I think this Eagles team is just more consistent. Like you're going to get tested by them for sure. Yeah. The I think the Giants are a better team than the Jags. Probably, but I, I, I disagree with you. I think their road to the Super Bowl is tougher because I think the AFC... If Hurts is healthy. Those AFC teams are better when they're at their best, but they are much more likely to have subpar games, whereas, yeah, the, the reverse is the case. But I guess then before we uh, wrap things up quickly, I guess we can talk about the TV show that's sweeping the world. Literally and figuratively, I guess. Last of Us. Well, because it's about a, it's about a fungal infection, right? So, so. Infecting the world, not sweeping yeah. the world. Well, the, <laughs> the infection is sweeping. They're the not world. zombies who they're not they're not zombies who go out with brooms and start uh, cleaning up the <laughs> the kitchens. But yeah, I think overall it's a it's so far I really like the show. Um, I've never played the video game. Uh, I've heard about how great it is and how it's one of the best video games ever. And, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff about, about entertainment and this in particular. So what I thought was really cool is even I haven't played any of the game. There's some videos out there that show like the clips of the game and then the clips yeah. of the movie. And some of the scenes are like almost identical, like frame for frame. And I think it's really cool that they were able to do that and also make it look really good at the same time which i guess is easy because the game itself looked good to begin with but it's 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 a nice like tip of the hat i think to the game and to people who appreciate and love the game while still also making it not too cheesy of a video game like show so far yeah they took themselves right to the edge with that the the car scene which is you mm -hmm. know as they were kind of trying to escape initially which i guess is the the kind of sequence that perfectly copies yep. the video game and you can tell watching it even if you didn't know just the kind of first person perspective they have and the yep. head twisting and you're seeing things that is very like a video game style and they, like the, the part where he i mean well, oh so i guess brief spoilers here but also when he's carrying her his daughter in the beginning and there's like something chasing him the way that they're filming him carrying it is very like video game-esque of like if you were a third person video game yeah, playing it it's how you. it would look you know yeah. Yeah. No, so and I think yeah, for the most part, the, the 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 car one, it did feel a little bit it almost went too far where then um it started to feel like you were in like a at like an amusement park and you're about to get on like a roller coaster and they were trying to sort of build the scene and then the roller coaster is about to take off or something. But no, I thought it was um really good. V very much like really enjoyed. Yeah. I also think it's a testament to the 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 positives of not releasing all of your episodes at once 
Like I am more interested in watching more episodes because I don't have instant access to episode two, episode three. Like there's a good chance I would have just this week watched multiple episodes and been like, well, I've had enough of it now. But, but the fact that I get it. Yeah. See, but I think, yeah, I agree. But I think from what I've heard for people who have gotten multiple episodes, you know, like critics and stuff, it gets progressively better. So the first episode it was the longest. It's, it was kind of like a double. So there's only nine episodes in the season. And originally there was going to be 10, but they kind of combined these first two episodes into one. So that's why it was it was a really long episode. It was almost the equivalent of two. Basically, they they figured it was better to not cut that episode, which I think was the right move. It was long, but I think it ultimately is the right move. But from what I've heard, it gets way better now that the world is set up and you have an idea of what's going on and like very video game-esque like the main mission has started kind of yeah i also got to give them huge credit for the way they set it up which i know a lot of people have been praising them for but with that that cold opening two and a half minutes of scientists discussing it perfectly explained to you the kind of what was going to happen like what exactly this type of sort of infection or virus was going to be without having to ram it down your throat without, you know, like it's just, here's two and a half minutes. It kind of gave you a sense of foreboding and, you know, it it was just a really perfect way of quickly saying, here it is, this is the thing that's going to happen. And now you get to watch it unfold. And I thought that was really, really smart instead of, you know, a lot of other shows or movies would have dragged that out, would have listened to scientists talking, speculating, you know, and it would have been sort of the first episode almost would have been trying to explain to you all of those details. And there it kind of gave yeah. you everything you needed to know and also told you, you don't really need to know like what this is. You just need to know that yeah. people are sort of zombies, basically. Yeah. And a lot of and so it will get a lot trickier, I think, is there are like different stages of the zombies in the in the game and i think they said they will address that a little bit so that will kind of you'll see more of that i think but and the other good thing about it is it's based off of decently sound science so everything that guy says in the beginning for the most part is accurate the only thing that's not is that he said there's absolutely no treatment for for fungus that's that's a lie i mean like athlete's foot is caused by a fungus like there's treatments for there there are antifungals are you saying they're I not got great my ath- and they're not as effective are you saying i could have got my athlete's foot treated frank i've had it for, for yeah thir- you didn't have to cut it 13 years yeah. it's just been getting worse but they worse. they are very very difficult to treat so like one of the main ones because obviously i live in arizona is valley fever and that's something that dogs get very often and it's a, it's a fungus that you pick up because dogs kind of like sniff at the dirt and it's in in the air and the dirt and you can get it pretty easily and it's really hard to treat um, and it can be pretty deadly for dogs. But for the most part, like there are some treatments. So that was the only part I was like a little, eh, there are antifungals. But like the whole thing about it being like his example of the fungus in the ant and it takes over the ant, that's completely true. And actually what the video game, the reason he has that idea of what the video game is based off is because the creator of the game saw a planet Earth of that actual thing of a fungus infecting the ant and taking over the ant's mind. And that's where he kind of came up with that idea based off of the video game. So there is a lot of truth to that. So yeah, that's, I think that's always a plus. And that's always kind of like what I always hated about the walking dead. I never really watched it much, but whenever I would ask people, you know, like, so why are they zombies? There was never any good science behind it. So, um, yeah. 
I, it's going to be good. I, and the cast is good. I think it's very well cast as usual for an HBO show. His, his so, aging was a little interesting. It's tough because he's right in the middle of both yeah. those ages. And he looked a little too old for 36, which is what he's supposed to be. And then and a little too young for yeah, 55. 56. It's 20 years later, 56, right? Sorry, 20 so he looked yeah. great for 56. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, in the video game from, you know, the little bits I've seen of it, he's obviously in like, yeah. supposed to be. So the only big change they've made from the video game is the um, infection is airborne. And they purposely didn't, they purposely changed that because they didn't want their main actors wearing like masks, gas, gas masks, which they wear a lot in the game, which I'm sure Pedro Pascal must have been so happy because he has a whole show that's basically the exact same show with him with a mask on the entire time in The Mandalorian. So I'm sure he was like, thank fucking God, I don't have to wear a mask and, and, and chauffeur a child around again. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. It's probably an easier acting job because then you don't have to worry about facial expressions. You know. Maybe, but I think you don't get the recognition. Like, I'm sure there are so many people who don't know that the Mando is the same person. <laughs> the Mando. Um, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Here's my quick question for you then. How well would you survive this same scenario? Like this same type of oh. zombie apocalypse? I would How- like to save this for a later podcast, but I am, I'm done for. Yeah. I, I'm not good with, with uh, like guns and things. You know, like I don't own a gun. I've shot a gun maybe once in my life. So that in that front, I'm kind of screwed. I probably don't even know how most of them work. I don't know where the safety is on most guns, to be honest. So I'm done for there. Second of all, I don't I live in an area where I don't know where I would go to escape it. I was thinking about this. You could go up to like the mountains in Arizona It would be pretty desolate up there, but I'd have to drive through Phoenix, which is a major metropolitan city. And there's no way I'm getting through that. So I think I'm I'm a goner. You're definitely a goner. You don't make the apartment. You don't make it out of the apartment. (laughs) No, I mean, living in a totally urban environment in an apartment building with no car. It's yeah. There are explosions or plane crashes into Paris. Paris is gone. (laughs) I don't I don't know what my tactic would be. Like, I I think I would just hole up in the apartment and hope for the best for as long as possible. Try and I am legend it and then solidify that apartment with like the 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 gunproof walls and things. (laughs) The apartment itself would be fine. I think I would be able to lock myself in the apartment and probably be totally safe because they aren't like superhuman. They, they appear to be very quick, but they're not like super strong, you know, so they're fast. Their yeah. 40 time has increased drastically, yeah. or I should say decreased drastically, <laughs> I think. But I would just it would be a question of when does the water stop running? That's a bad. Yeah. That's a bad time. And uh, when do I run out of food? Electricity. Like I don't have a generator. Yeah. Also or anything, at least, you know, yeah. things like that. I'm done. Yeah. I, but I, what's interesting is there are a lot of people in Arizona that would probably thrive. This is my best bet is right now, starting today, I should try and friend someone with a who has an isolated ranch in Arizona with a lot of guns. But yeah. part of me is that is not the person I want a friend with. <laughs> and then you'll be in the next if there's no impending, If there's no impending apocalypse, then that is a bad friend to have made. You never know. <laughs> You never know. And once he starts convincing you, and when you get then you get caught up in the next Waco, well, uh, that'd be great for the yeah, exactly. That'd be great for the podcast. Could he be recording? Exactly. You could be recording episodes uh, mid uh, mid uh, <laughs> sort of you know stalemate between you and some FBI 
I think that'd yeah. be great. But I think this is a show that I think from week to week, we can have a little bit of a like, what would you have done here? Because I'm sure there's going to be many situations they come across that have like questionable moves, which yeah. is, you know, it's a video game. So you're going to have to make decisions. So yeah, I mean, but so far we're in agreement. We're both dead. Yeah, we're not making it. No. Yeah. And I guess with that, then we'll call it a day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you later. See ya. Cheerio.